Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Come on, how many of you feel like you've already been at church with our worship this morning? Wasn't it powerful, amazing? And um, I want to thank you all who came to our breakfast. I got to seal your bacon. It was unbelievable. And uh, so, but we're so glad you're here this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about Easter coming up. We're two weeks away. Are you excited about Easter and uh, all that's going to be happening? And it's hard to believe we, in the past seven weeks, we've been in this series called Sound Mind. And Pastor Stan has been really talking and walking us through what it means to have a sound mind and dealing with issues that are so real in all of us, anxiety, depression, uh, and so many things that go along with that. And uh, I don't know about you, but it really ministered to me. I think all of us have to take a moment and look and go, I need to continue to grow healthy in my mental health. Amen. And uh, so it's been a powerful time, but I do know this about a series like that. It's easy to get into a series like that and see all of the areas that I need to grow, the, the, the frustration, the anxiety, the depression. And if we're not careful, what will happen is the enemy will tell us this is as good as it gets, or God can't use me now, or in this season, like how could God possibly use me? And what we know along the way in our journey is that all of us, we have battles in our life. We have battles of our past, we have battles of sin, we have battles of frustration, we have battles of health, we have battles of mental health, and those battles ultimately leave cuts or scars in our life. And all of us have scars. And the question is, what is the story going to begin to reveal to us about the scars of our life? When we look about how God wants to use us in our life, it's so easy to see the wounds or the cuts or the scars and go, could God possibly use me? And that's why we celebrate the reality of Easter because in two weeks, what we celebrate is that we had a Savior who came, put flesh on, dwelt among us. He took the sin of humanity while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for you. That's good news, right? And that he was, he was crucified and buried and he resurrected and he overcame death, hell, and the grave. It's our great hope. And in two weeks, we celebrate that. But also, if we were to look at Easter and we were to look at the very first Easter, two weeks out from the very first Easter, it wasn't just that Jesus was preparing for the cross. He was preparing for his also another great purpose that he came for. And that was to build his church, to establish this movement that some 2,000 years later would be the most instrumental uh, message that humanity has ever heard, that impacts us even to today. And he was about to hand off this thing called the birth of the church to 12 jacked up guys that had a bunch of issues. And he was going to hand this thing called the church off to people that were going through things that you and I go through. They had scars and wounds. They had all kinds of issues. They had anxiety and they had insecurity. They were self-centered. Matter of fact, they didn't get along with each other very well. They were always arguing and fighting. Uh, they didn't often believe Jesus was who he says he was until he walks through a door after he resurrects and they touch the scars of his hands. They had doubts about Jesus at times. They often mistreated people. Remember there was the feeding of the 5,000. They said, Jesus, we, can, we can't feed all them. Send them off hungry. Take care of us. 
Um, they, uh, one was, uh, uh, one was really had a bad attitude who, who had a sword. And, and when they tried to arrest Jesus, he tried to kill the guard, but just had bad swordmanship. And he just cut off his ear and Jesus is picking up his bloody messes all along the way. You had two of them that were mama's boys and they went to their mom and said, mom, can you get us a better position in heaven? And so mom went to Jesus and said, can you make my boys, my boys are really special. Can you give them a special place in, in your kingdom? They separated, they had bad attitudes. You had this guy named Peter who not only had a bad attitude, but he was constantly uh, doing what he said he wouldn't do. Like, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And then he denies him, but he denies him three times. But now he doesn't deny him three times. There was a young little girl and she said, you're with Jesus. He said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Like a normal kid would do. The only thing she didn't do in that story was go, why, 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 why? And, and, and so finally Peter says, I'm not with Jesus. And then he cusses out the little girl. How many of y'all can relate to Peter? Seems like. See, we look at these disciples and what we realize is they had issues. They had these scars and these wounds. And Jesus is preparing to hand the church over to them. And so when we look at our own lives, we talk about a sound mind. How do we celebrate? How can we go through this place going, man, I've really got some battles in my life to how could God use me in the midst of my battles? We've got these wounds that we walk around with called life. And to have wounds doesn't make you abnormal, it makes you human. And the question is, what do we do with the wounds of our life? See, the truth is every time we go through a pain, a hurt, a disappointment, a failure, a, an, an illness, a sickness, whatever it may be that we face, there's these cuts that life seemed to give us. And those cuts can become infection and kill us, or they become scars that tell a story. And what I want to share with you today is that all of us have scars. And the scars of our life, they're not the thing that we should hold in shame, but they are the story of our life that will give you purpose. And ultimately, you will find God's plan through the scars of your life. And I want to encourage you today that if you've been walking through the Sound Mind series, or you've been walking through some battles in life, that God is not waiting for you to become perfected so he can use your life and your story. So often the power of your story is the scars that you are walking through today. All of us have scars. Guys, how many of you have a good scar somewhere on your body, right? How many of you are proud of some of those scars, right? Like guys, we're, we're real simple uh, in life. We don't have, people always go, man, what are the men thinking? You got it. There's not much more to us. I want to know what my husband's thinking. He's not. <laughs> I just promise you, we are not that complex. I asked my husband how he's doing. He said he's doing good. I wonder what he's really thinking. He's doing good. That's it. But what does he really mean? He really means that's all he's got. 
And so guys, we love to compare scars, don't we? You, you talk about a scar, let me show you my scar. Let me tell you what happened. See, I got weenie scars in life. I didn't got any really good scars. I got one right here above my eye. Um, it's because when I was three, I was running down a, a sidewalk and my dad yelled something to me to be funny. I turned and I hit a mailbox and it cut my eye. My mom got mad at my dad for yelling my name. It was his fault that I ran into the mailbox. And so I got a little scar there. I got chewed by my belly button because when I was 10, I was riding a 10-speed bike for the first time, and I didn't realize that if you push backwards, it didn't break. It just spun, and I was going down the hill, and I flipped, and the handlebars went into my stomach, and my mom got mad at the guy who had the bike, who let me ride the bike, uh, because it was his fault that I got hurt. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? We can remember the stories of our scars. We can remember how it happened, and guys, we tend to embellish it a little bit, you know, here or there. Because the story of our scar leaves a significant moment. And what it tells us is this. There was something that wounded me that did not kill me. And it's part of the story of my life. What's so powerful is about scars is that when we, the Bible tells us when we get to heaven, we're going to get a perfected body. How many of you excited about that? No more bags and sags and things that hang, right? You're going to get this perfected body. How many are so thankful for no bags or sags? And, and uh, I don't know what that means. It just kind of flowed with what I was trying to say today. And, but here's what the Bible tells us. When we see Jesus, it says even in all of eternity that we'll see the scars of his hands. Because the scars tell the story of the redemption for humanity. That even in the perfection, perfected nature of our bodies, we'll see the scars of Jesus. See, scars are not a weakness that we should be ashamed of. Scars are the story of overcoming in our life. The scars of our life tell the story. And what Jesus is preparing the church for, he's preparing this group of men for, is that the scars of their life will be the catalyst of the story of building his church. Jesus was not looking for, for perfect people to tell a perfect story. He was looking for people that have been through wounds and hurts and heartaches who have overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony that have a story to share about the grace and the power and the forgiveness and the healing power of Jesus in our lives. That our scars are this beautiful story. See, the reality is our story is so often told by the scars of our life. I've heard it once said, never go into a battle with a man who has no scars. See, we get to go through this battle of life with the Savior who has scars. And the story of our life is so often told by the scars. And if we're not careful, the enemy will tell us that our scars or our wounds are the weaknesses that disqualify us from having any purpose and impact from the kingdom of God. But Jesus takes these 12 guys and he says, guys, you've got a story and I'm going to empower you and impact you. And through your weaknesses, you're going to find a story that you've never seen before. And it wasn't just them. It was with the first church planner in, in all of the Bible. His name is Paul. Paul leads more people to Jesus and has a greater impact than anyone in history. But Paul had some scars along the way. He had a reputation. He, he was a murderer. I mean, come on. I mean, most of us were doing better than that at this point, right? Most of us. 
He, people were afraid from him. He despised Jesus. And yet he has this encounter with Jesus. And what's going to be his great story? Is it going to be that is his perfection or is it going to be the scars that tell his story? And he says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but he said to me, who is he? Jesus is talking now to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. What, what is happening in this moment is we have been told that we should boast about our strengths. That we live in a, in a filtered world, that we tell everybody how great we are and strong we are. And they, we think that's our story. But the truth of us, none of us are inspired by the perfection of people. We are inspired by those that have overcome great obstacles in their life. See, we serve a Savior who overcame the cross, who overcame the sin of the world. That's our story and that's our hope. And Paul says, my story is not that I had it all together. My story is that in my weakness, Jesus was made strong. And so we live in this world, hold on, we live in this world that says we should hide from our weakness and boast about our strength. And Jesus says, not so in my kingdom. Don't boast in your strength because it will only take you so far. But in your weakness, I can make a story that will impact the world through your life. And so Paul says, I, I boast about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Jesus' sake, I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, he is made strong. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time someone encouraged you? to boast and take delight in your weakness and insult and heartache and hardships. Isn't it seem counterintuitive to everything we know? That when we are insulted or we are hurt or we are wounded, the world tells us to be offended and religion says we should be offended, but Jesus says, take heart, take delight in it because I'm gonna do something with that story. What the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use for good. And you keep thinking it's about your great abilities and your great strengths and how you have it all together. But I just want you to know something today. You don't have it all together. And until you see Jesus, you won't. So therefore, what do I boast in? I boast in the space that I give Jesus the most latitude in my life and my weaknesses. So Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses because that's where God's going to use me. And in my strengths, I won't trust God with them. I'll just screw those up. Have you ever just thought you were so good at something you didn't need? Have you ever noticed when things are so good, you really don't need God that much? Come on, when things are the best, we tend to ignore God the most. Isn't it true? Isn't it true also that in our brokenness and our weakness and our hurts and our pains and our failures and our disappointments, that's when we run to Jesus? Because what we're saying is, Jesus, in this scar, I'm trusting you to tell a story with my life. Your life matters. 
And so often we fight and we struggle and Paul just gets it all out of the way. He says, here's how it works. In my weakness, there is going to be a stronger story than I could tell of myself. And if I just rely on what I'm good at and my strengths, my story will only be about me. But if I give God my weakness and my scars and my hurts and my pains and my failures and I trust him, he will use them for his glory and they will begin to make an impact far greater than we could ever imagine. I'm so thankful that Jesus chose 12 ordinary guys to make an extraordinary impact in the world. Because if Jesus could do it in them, he will certainly do it in you. See, our story is so often told by our scars, but not only that, our scars often define our purpose. Our scars define our purpose. So many people are looking for their purpose in this thing called life. I want to find my purpose. I want to find what I'm, my purpose in life. Right? And so then we lie to our children. We say, you can do anything that you put your mind to. No, you can't. Right? You can't. Why do we tell our kids that? Right? We don't let them jump off a house and say, you can be Superman if you just put your heart to it. No, you will splat the ground and we will laugh at you. See, the question is, what is my purpose? And where we so often find our purpose, it's in the scars of our life. It's in the place that we don't often see. We find the purpose. And Jesus is setting the church up in this place. And he's weeks out from Easter as we, we look at even now. And he looks at these guys and he asks this question that is so profound. These are men with scars who had issues. And he asked them a question that if, even if you've been in church for just a little bit, you've heard the scripture, but I think we so often miss the point of what Jesus is saying in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, so Jesus comes into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples. Now it's just him and the 12. He asked them this question, who do people say the son of man is? Guys, who does everybody say that I am? And he does not ask this question because he's trying to find the value of who he is. This is a rhetorical question. He is setting them up. Because here's the reality. So often, so many of us, we find our value in who other people say that you are. We want to know who people say we are. We find our purpose in who people say we are. We find our value in who people say we are. We post Instagram and Facebook posts and we find out who people say that we are and we try to filter them so they say really good things about us because then we think that's who we are. But you are not who people say you are. And so Jesus says, who does everyone say that I am? And here's what they do. They try to tell him a truth that makes him feel good. Have you ever had people in your life, they try to tell you something to make you feel good? And so he said, well, some people say you're Elijah and some say you're uh, a great prophet and some others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They say, Jesus, you do some really good stuff. And what they're saying is, Jesus, they say that you are somebody that you're really not. And some of us are okay by people telling us something that we're not to find our identity. 
Jesus is not trying to find out who he is by what other people say. And he's trying to teach them in this moment, your value is not in who other people say that you are. So you do not have to filter your life and your, to find a purpose by what people say. So Jesus now stops and he goes, okay, I don't really care who people say that I am. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And one guy has the courage to say this. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are who you say you are. Here's my question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not what does religion, not what does the Sunday morning churchy answer say. Not what does it good good on your Facebook post. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is in your life? Not who do you wish he was or who do you hope he would be. Who do you say that it is? Because who you say he is is how you live it out. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You know who Shane Walters says that he is? I say he's the one that stepped into an 18-year-old's life who had no hope, who wanted to take his own life, who had no purpose, who had no direction, who had no hope, who lived an immoral life, who never heard about him, and he stepped into my life. He saved me. He forgave me. He redeemed me. He called, put purpose in my life, and he called me that, I, that me, some jack, look, just look. If you're thinking about the hope of the world, do you want to pick this to be the messenger? I mean, I'm looking at you too, so this is, this is a fair fight here. I mean, I'm not seeing spectacular, you know, as well. And Jesus says, but I choose you. I mean, I, I've had the privilege of seeing tens of thousands of people come to Jesus not by sharing my brilliance, but because of sharing the scars of my story of who Jesus is. So who I say he is, is that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the one who transformed my life and put purpose in my life. Peter says, you are the Christ. But the question is, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Because who you say he is will be the ultimately the destiny of your life. And so now the scars of Peter's life are about to find purpose. And listen to what Jesus says to him. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock. Now listen, hold on. He's just about to give us a revelation here. This revelation was not for Peter. This revelation was for everybody who makes this declaration. This revelation was for you and it was for me. Upon this rock, upon this foundation of what you're saying. See, when we declare and when he is who he says he is in our life, and that's who we say that he is. He says this, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of, of hell will not overpower to prevail against it. Now listen to number 19. So I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
What did Jesus is telling Peter? He's telling us with this revelation, I'm giving you the keys and a story to unlock heaven for those who do not know him. And if you will live this out and you will declare it, eternity will be different. But I'm also giving you the power to lock it for people that if you don't share it and you don't bring people along, you will literally close the door of eternal opportunity for people. Do you want to know your purpose in life? If you're a Christ follower, here it is. You might want to write this down. This is, this is your purpose in life. To tell other people about Jesus, period. That's it. That is your ultimate purpose in life. Your purpose in life is not to become a comfortable Christian with a white picket fence, with two and a half kids, where no sinners come in to your property and you keep them out. It's not to build your own little Christian little uh, community where nobody can step in that is broken and hurting and in pain, full of sin. No, your door is to, your job is to bust the fence down and go into all the world and proclaim the good news to those who don't know him, who those who are hurting that look nothing like him, who scare you. You step into the world and you proclaim that Jesus is the hope of the world. That's it. When will the church get tired of being comfortable with Christianese? We are called to be uncomfortable in a broken world with the hope and the good news that Jesus is alive. Amen. And you know why he chose you? Because you got some scars, baby. You thought your scars were your weakness, but your scars are your testimony. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of Jesus. Thank God for that. And the word of our story, our testimony. What is my story? It is what Jesus has done in your life. I have nothing to prove because Jesus has proved it in me. And I know sometimes I go, man, come on, let's just get comfortable. Can't we just sing that song again? All hail King Jesus. You liked that, didn't you? Didn't have the same impact, did it? Can't we just get comfortable and I get my two and a half kids and we're in church, we're in church and we watch VeggieTales together and we keep all the bad out. That is not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is that we are all, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While you were corrupt and broken and hurting, he loved you, not as you should be, right where you are, baby. And somewhere along the way, we made a religion out of it. We got comfortable. We got comfortable and we thought it was all about us. And let me just say it like this. Pastor Stan will be back next week. <laughs> Until you came to Jesus, it was all about you. The moment you came to Jesus, it is no longer about you. It is all about him and all about them. You go, well, I'm just, I just need a place to get comfortable. Well, this ain't it, baby. We need your seat. Because I'm telling you, 
This is a place of eternity and you matter so much. You know why you have your scars. You know why you have your story because there was a Jesus who was with you and he, he was with you and he was for you. And when the enemy tried to destroy you, Jesus healed you and he said, I'm gonna use that scar and I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom and your life will now have a purpose that will change all of eternity. Our scars can define our purpose. But don't listen to who other people say that you are. Listen to who Jesus says you are. And Jesus says you are the rock in which he will build his church. See, our scars not only help define our purpose, our scars ultimately will impact others. Let me put it like this. The wounds and the hurts that you've gone through that Jesus never gave up on you in. You've gone through what you've gone through so that Jesus will use you to pull other people through. Or a much simpler way to say it, out of your misery, Jesus is building your ministry. Out of your misery, you will find your ministry. And not that you have it all together. It's that every day you're pursuing him. See, think about it. Think about the scars of your life. There's why, that's why so many of us who have battled addiction in life, we have a heart to, to minister to those who are battling addiction, those who have gone through abuse, that, that you can either continue to be abused or you can use the abuse as the purpose of your life to help those who have gone through what you've gone through. Because God opens your heart and there's an awareness See, once you've walked through what you've walked through, Jesus puts a scar on you and says you will lead people and love people and serve people. Isn't it amazing when you walk through something you never saw coming, you now have a heart for people that are walking through it? That you've gone through what you've gone through. And out of my misery, I find my ministry. You know why I'm so passionate about people that do not know Jesus? Because I will never, ever, ever forget what it was like to live without him. I remember the day I gave my heart to Christ. I remember the brokenness in which I was. I remember how jacked up I was and lost I was and corrupt I was. I remember the hope that did not exist in my life. And I remember the moment I gave my life to Jesus and he changed me and he transformed me. That's why I love people that are so far from God and so jacked up. Because I know what it was like. My prayer for you is that you never forget what it was like before you knew Jesus. So you will never forget those that are there now. That's what we're called to do. So Jesus steps out of eternity. He puts on the flesh of men. He dwells among us, among the poor and the broken and the hurting. He chooses a town like Nazareth, where nothing good comes from Nazareth. Today we would say like he, he lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Nothing good comes from there. That's right, I said it. And he dwells among us. And when we were broken and hurting and lost, 
He said, that's, that's who I came to save. And there's a woman caught in adultery and he loves her. There's a woman prostitute and Jesus protects her. There's, the, there's those that have been caught up in sin and he steps in and he says, yes, I came to redeem your life and there's gonna be a scar, but the scar is gonna be a story and the story is gonna give you a purpose and the purpose is gonna transform eternity. God chose you to change the world. How crazy is that? And so the disciples in all their brokenness, they realize that Jesus is serious, that he's leaving, that the one who raised the dead was dead himself and now he's alive. And here's what they think. Okay, we did all that Jesus raising from the dead stuff and now we're gonna get comfortable. He's going to be our king. He's going to set up heaven here on earth. We're all going to get a position. James and John, their mom is lobbying for those two to get a special spot. Okay, we, we, it's going to be good now. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going away. I'm going to the Father. But don't worry, I'm going to return. And I'm going to return for the church that I'm calling you to reach. And they're like, Gee, Jesus. And they had insecurities and they had doubts and they had worries. Remember, like, I won't believe it until I touch the scars on his hands. And Jesus says, so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to go to the mountain in Galilee. And I want you to wait for me. Now, I want you to put yourself in this spot right here for a second. Matthew 28. This is the end of that story of the scars. And here they are, scarred and unsure of what the future holds. In verse 16, it said, The 11 disciples went to Galilee. You know why there was 11? We started out with 12, but one thought he had messed up so bad that Jesus wouldn't love him. And he refused to grow into the healing of a sound mind. He took his own life. His name was Judas. And now there's 11. And it says the 11 went to Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw them, they worshiped him. How many go, that makes sense. I get that. Come on, are you with me? Like if Jesus raises from the dead, appears on a mountain, you see him, you worship him. I'm with that. It's the next few words that make no sense to me. And yet some still doubt it. What do they doubt? Were they doubting that Jesus was who he says he was? No, they saw him, they touched him, they knew who he was. They were not doubting Jesus. So where did the doubt come in? What were they doubting? They were doubting themselves because they knew what Jesus was about to ask of them. They're worshiping and doubting. Have you ever been in a place where you worshiped and doubted? I have. Come on, you worshiped the God who you knew could do all things, but you doubted maybe he would. 
And now he's giving them the keys, but he's now truly leaving them in charge. Remember when you were, the very first time you were allowed to drive the car by yourself? Remember that time? Like you wanted to be cool, but you were a little bit sweaty going, ooh, this could turn out bad. I'm 49 and I think, wow, this could turn out bad. He's about to leave them with the keys. And it says, and some doubt it. But here's the power of Jesus. I love this. He does not acknowledge their doubt. He empowers them with purpose. The enemy will fuel your doubt and Jesus will give you purpose. And here's what he says. You should be worried. You should be concerned. I'm leaving. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, man, look at you guys. I got to leave the church to this. Like Peter, come on. No. Here's what Jesus says. All authority has been given on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Proclaiming the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I love this last part. For I am with you always, even until the very ends of the age. I'm with you. Now go. Did they have it completely all together? No. They were still stinking doubting. Did they have scars? Yes. Did they have the perfectly sound mind? No, they were working on it. Did they still have to try to figure out where to go and what to do? Yes. And he says, I'm empowering you. Here is the purpose and the destiny and the calling of your life to go into all the world. And you 11 will cause a movement that will transform the future of planet earth. It will transform lives that 2000 years later in Dayton, Ohio, there'll be thousands of people listening to this message about today. Go. And I'm sending you not with perfection, with scars. Because your scars are the testimony. How do I tell people? Do I have to be a great theologian? No. I once was like this, and I met Jesus, and he saved me. He forgave me. And look what he's done in my life. Do you know why it says that you should the word of our testimony. You know what the word testimony means? To testify, to give a, a, a statement, a fact of what happened. How many of y'all saw Jesus die on the cross? Don't raise your hand, please. No. What am I testifying to? What Jesus has done for you. Who do you say that he is? You know what I can't argue with? Your story. You got the scars to prove it. You know why you're fit to go into battle? Because you're a man or woman who's got some scars, who's been there. And you've seen the power of God. 
We don't go into battle with the Savior that is scarless. And we don't go into battle scarless ourselves, but the scars are the story of our life that the enemy will tell you is the ugly weakness of your life. And Jesus will say, it is the power and the resurrection inside of you. It is the hope. It is the story. It is the beauty of who you are. You've got the scars to prove it, that there is a God who is real. And so what am I called to do? What am I called to do? What am I called to do with that? The Bible says, go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come that my house may be full. What he's not talking about is, can we have just good church numbers? What he's talking about is, can we have kingdom of God numbers? Can we have eternity numbers? Where all of heaven rejoices that have won. And here's my broken sadness. I, I gotta be honest with you. We'll talk about people coming to Jesus and we'll go, that's good, that's good, that, that's good. We're gonna have bacon for breakfast? Yes, we are. But the things of God should excite us when we're no longer comfortable. That it's not about you and it's not about me and it's not about CLC. It is about Jesus and the cross and God using us to be a church that will build his kingdom. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you some keys. We'll give you an egg. I don't know how the egg came into the whole Easter thing. Bunnies, doesn't matter. It's got Skittles in it. And we're going to say, hey, man, why don't you join me at church? We're going to make it so easy for you. Check this out. We got these text messages. Now I want you to get your phone out real quick. We got, the, we got these texts. There it is. And you're not even going to lie to them right now. If you're in church right now, you're going to go, hey, Bob. I don't know why Bob getting saved today, but Bob's here. Hey, Bob, sitting in church and realized Easter is in two weeks. If you don't have plans, I would love for you and your family to come sit with me at CLC. You free the 8th or 9th. You know when you're going to show up. When Bob is free. You're not going to say, Bob, I like my seat. It's real comfortable if I get there at 9.50. And what I like to do is get there early and get my seat so no one takes my seat. I got my row, Bob. I can squeeze you in into my comfortable Christianity if you show up. Now, what does it take for you to come with me? Maybe you're watching online. We just made it easy for you too. Hey, Bobette, watching church online and realized Easter's in two weeks. You're not plans. I'd love for you to watch with me online. What are we doing? We're trying to give you tools and the keys. You go, but how could I invite someone? Here's my question. How could you not? So here's what the Bible says. It's going to be real simple. How can people know unless they are told? The, 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 the depth of the scripture is so hard to understand sometimes. How can they know unless they're told? Then it goes on to say, how can they be told unless someone tells them? How can someone tell them unless they go? How can they go unless they are sent? So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to send you. Now, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to pray for any of you today. You go, what? Because if I have to pray for you to do what Jesus asked you to do, we're missing. Jesus isn't going to go, let me make you a puppet. Go tell them. No, right now he's putting people's names on your heart. How many of you know somebody right now that if they didn't know Jesus and were to die today, they probably would not end up in an eternity in heaven. How many of you go, I know some people that need to know Jesus. Raise your hand. 
Come on, raise your hand. If you don't know anybody, that's a bigger issue. We're getting rid of your Christian bridge club and we're going to meet you some non-churchy people. See, that's the person that God has laid on your heart. You go, but what can I tell them? Hey, would you be my friend to come with me? I would love for you to come. You know that 75% of people said they would go to church if someone would ask them. You were already telling the reason no of why they won't come. Who do you say that Jesus is? And so we're going to pray this morning for the person that God's laid on your heart. But here's what I know. I thank God that in 1997, Good Friday, I'm sorry, 1992, I'm old. 1992, on Good Friday, someone asked me if I wanted to come along. And I said, yes. Unlocked my eternity. And you know how prepared you are to lead somebody? You're as prepared today as God needs you to be. You have everything today to fulfill what God has called you to do today in your hands. There is nothing you are lacking to do what God's called you today. And tomorrow he'll give you what you need to fulfill what he's called you to do tomorrow. But today is the day that Jesus says your scars are gonna be a story that will transform somebody's life. Would you stand with me this morning? Patrick's gonna come and give you some instructions in just a second. But before we do, I wanna pray, not for you. I wanna pray that God will use your story and the people that he's placed on your heart. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. So here's the deal. Dirk said, man, I, I want to see 150 people come to Jesus on Easter. I'm believing for 300 people to come to Jesus on Easter. Now, if that doesn't happen, it's your fault. <laughs> but even if it's just one, I'm so excited. How many are thankful that you met Jesus? How many of you think that we transformed your life? How many are you worth? How many are you are fired up for what God has done in your life? Come on, how many think he is worthy of a hand clap of praise today? And if he can do it in you, just imagine what he will do through you. God, I praise you for who you are and what you've done. God, give us the heart for people that are far from you. For while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And Lord, you took the life you've given us and it's beautifully marred with scars and cuts and wounds along the way that tell a story of something that tried to be used by the enemy for harm, but you're turning it for good. Lord, let us embrace the beauty of our scars. Let the story of our life be hope for the lost. And God, I pray today that as we go and we reach and we ask and we invite that someone might say yes, because it's not about us and it's not about CLC. It is about the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to love who you love and to go where you've told us to go so we can see what you've asked us to see and experience what you've asked us to experience. The life-changing power of Jesus on the cross and resurrected to give us hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.